0: Welcome to IVF Tales, a podcast hoping to make the world of fertility treatment less lonely.
1: We want to start conversations about different fertility journeys to empower your decisions and build a community that understands.
0: Each week we will speak to someone whose journey to having a child has taken a little bit more than a few vodka cruises.
1: We are your hosts, Tiffany and Amy. Today we are speaking with Alana and Amanda, a same-sex couple from Sydney. Um, quite a, it was a quite a long interview, so we've actually split it up over three episodes just to sort of make it a bit more um, edible for you at that time, just so you can sort of take a break if you want and then pick it up where you left it off. So we won't be doing, Tiff and I won't be doing much chatting at the intros because we just sort of want to leave these episodes to speak themselves. You go for it, Tip. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I don't know what else to say. Um yeah, so the first episode they're just gonna touch on a few different things. So they did some um, IUIs. They talk about the donor sperm and the process of what that's like for a same sex couple. Um and then yeah, the start of their IVF and um, a missed miscarriage and D and C.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I think it's quite a valuable episode, Um, really sort of highlights for same-sex couples how difficult it can be, particularly when you sort of go into IVF treatment or fertility treatment thinking it's going to be quite straightforward and it's not. Um, So I'm really grateful for Alana and Amanda um, that they've been willing to sort of put their story out there for you guys to listen to.
0: So thanks for joining us today, Alana and Amanda. Do you want to just give us um, a bit of a
2: background and introduction of who you guys are? Yeah, sure. So we're Alana and Amanda. We're a same-sex couple from Sydney. Um, and we've been TTC for trying to conceive for three years now. Um, with have done sperm. And, yeah, we live with our two cats. Uh, we met in 2012, and it was one of those cliché, love at first sight moments um but they do exist (laughs) and yeah we kind of madly fell in love knew that was it and that was the beginning um we kind of did the whole dating thing traveling thing uh saved by a unit (laughs) moved in together and then started this (laughs) well no no first um (laughs) you washing the dishes one night I was sweeping the floor, and we decided to get married. <laughs> it was now, actually, We decided to get engaged. Oh, we decided to get engaged. That's all we could do at, the, at that point because it hadn't well, been legalized. Married, possibly. Right? Yeah. So we decided to get engaged, and um, then we just kind. Of, well, I I had always wanted to be a mum. Um. And I'd I'd kind of looked into the whole single mother by choice options before I met Amanda so i kind of looked at fertility clinics already and then i was just i was just ready so i i was researching fertility clinics amanda wasn't quite ready no i wasn't quite ready because i have never thought about carrying a child so um and to to be honest it's never i guess it's you know it's, it's never been like at the forefront of my mind, to be honest. I've never gone, oh, well, I'm going to have to go to a fertility clinic because obviously I'm same sex now. So I guess mm. it's, it's never been like at the forefront of my it's mind. Been. Not like her, <laughs> not like Alana. Except so. that you didn't want children You just thought that if you had to carry a child and, and because you were gay, it just wasn't going to happen. For yeah. you. So you'd kind of just put it out of your mind. But for me, I was just, I was going to, I was determined to make it happen. Um so I, I went madly into research. Um and then kind of in October two thousand and sixteen Amanda's or well, our first niece was born and um that changed Amanda's mind. Yeah. That definitely um wow well, Yeah, that changed my whole perspective on everything. Um when when she was born. Um that was crazy. Mm yeah and so that's when we both started to research um i kind of we, we kind of weighed a, l- a little bit um you know it's just save saving money because um, i you know i knew that um i knew what i wanted i knew that i wanted to have my child and then have enough money to have maternity leave I didn't want to go back to work straight away. I wanted to spend time with my child. Um, so we were just saving, um, we had our engagement party and that was kind of the marker at that point. Like, that was beginning of 2017. And that was my countdown to to starting fertility treatment. I went and we had our first appointments and that was just like honestly the most exciting day of my life <laughs> having these fertility appointments um it was like christmas day to me so we did all that had a few blood tests and whatnot went back to the doctors we picked one clinic based on our friends experience <sighs> they they fell pregnant the first time they're also a same couple they fell pregnant the first time through an iui they liked this clinic. Also, but, but, yeah, I think also other factors was um, uh, from a donor's perspective, um, they had uh, they had sperm kind of there, ready to go, um, and you didn't have to go on a waiting list. It was readily accessible.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, you didn't have to buy in bulk up front, which is really expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so yeah. I, guess, I guess probably like backtracking a bit, yeah, so... The same-sex couples obviously you need donor sperm um so your options are using somebody that you know um, and getting them to come to the clinic with you and doing a donation uh, and then there is local de-identified donors so in australia you have to use de-identified donors they can't be anonymous um, so when your child turns 18 they have the option to find that donor um, so, clinics have they have a couple of Australian local donors who are de-identified, but sperm donation in Australia isn't really a thing. Um, so there's just you know, barely any choice. They also have generally American clinics of a few de-identified donors, but it is a sperm donation shortage. So waiting lists are about six months long, and there's just not a lot of choice, um, which was fine. That kind of didn't worry us, but I just wanted to get started. So we chose this particular clinic where there was no wait list. And the way that they did it was you, you got a list of the donors. You could have a look at them online. You picked your top five, and then the day of treatment, you found out which donor you got um so it wasn't locked in at all and and that that's based around the the um i guess the legislation of new south wales so every state has Mm -hmm. a specific family limit um so if someone was using that sperm and that took them up to their max um, family limit for new south wales so that's Five families. Yes, yeah, five families. So whether or not they'd fallen pregnant or not, if they were using that and had had insem, um, uh, that that donor was taken off the list. So you'd move down to the next one. So it was kind of like it was very nerve wracking coming up to your IUI because you didn't know who you're going to get basically. Um, and at the start, we we placed a lot of importance on our donor choice. Um, yeah. <laughs> Understandably so. And I think we had, we had some criteria. Obviously, um, the child was not going to be biologically mine, but we wanted aspects um, of, of, like, my heritage, so being Italian. Um, mm-hmm. we, we wanted that uh, in, the, in the genetics, I guess. Um, so we placed a lot of importance on the, the, um, the donor, which now does not seem that important to us yeah. after going through everything. But um, yeah. it was very nerve-wracking um not knowing what to expect, let, let alone doing this for the first time. Um and you're not gonna know what donor you're gonna get. So it's um it wasn't uh fun. <laughs> yeah. It was a very stressful process, yeah. And so we had you know, we had this kind of follow up appointment with our doctor after I'd had all the blood tests and we'd been warned that this particular doctor didn't have a great bedside manner, but at the time didn't kind of think that that mattered so much. Didn't it? Didn't worry us at the time. Um, the doctor definitely didn't have a great bedside manner. Um, kind of went to this follow-up appointment. All my tests came back perfectly fine. Um, oh, I guess I should say, me, Elena. I'm the one that was going to carry the child. Um, a little bit important there, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just to differentiate. Um, yeah, so I did all the testing. Uh, and everything came back perfect. Um, the doctor said to me, you'll be pregnant in no time. Kind of said, okay, well, that's great, but, you know, I do have PCOS. I have been told since I was a teenager that I'd probably have trouble conceiving, and I'd been on metformin for kind of about eight years at that point, point. Um, and the doctor kind of said to me, no, we can use PCOS to our advantage in fertility treatment. Um, you won't have any trouble conceiving probably you know one or two IUI's so okay great Um, so then you know you've got to do the mandatory counseling sessions so we did that that was all fine but that was a bit of an eye-opener because they have you know a standard set of questions that they ask and generally it is heterosexual couples coming in who are already infertile at that point Um, whereas we at this point, we're purely going to a fertility clinic to use a donor. I think it that was, was called socially infertile. We were, we were socially infertile. That's what they deemed us socially infertile. Yeah, I Which hate that term. Love the term. Yeah. yeah. Um, and you know, so the um, <laughs> <no>. <laughs> <laughs> okay. um so the counsellor, you know, was kind of asking us questions, and one of the questions was, you know, at what point Will you call it quits will you get have you had a discussion about if this is taking too long at what point you will stop fertility treatment and move on to another option either being childless, adoption, you know surrogacy, whatever it may be? Um, and we honestly hadn't thought about that and didn't think we had any reason to think about that either. <laughs> and we kind of got home. And Amanda said to me, Okay, so this is my plan. We're gonna do two IUIs and that's it. If you're not pregnant after two IUIs, that's it. We're just not gonna have kids. And I was like, Whoa, um <laughs> that's not a lot. Like at this point I'd been on like millions of forums and you know, Facebook groups and whatnot, um, and, and following all these stories, and I said you know, sometimes it takes women a little bit longer to get pregnant than two IUIs. Like, you know, I I don't think that's kind of reasonable, and she was like, nope, that's it, that's $6,000, that's a lot of money, that's it. Mm -hmm. Okay, so... That that changed quite quickly. (laughs) My stance on that changed very quickly. Quickly. Yeah. So, um, anyway, we got to, to May 2017, and that was our first IUI, and... We had told our immediate families that we we're going to start treatment, but we didn't tell them when. So we gave them kind of the options to ask us any questions they wanted to ask because, you know, obviously it's a, a different situation to women having a baby and going through fertility treatment. So my family didn't really have a lot of questions. Um I think we wanted them to even ask like the, the legal questions around it. So mm. Have the opportunity to ask everything now that might seem a bit insensitive. So, if you guys ever split, who would get the baby? And it's like, well, it's exactly the same as if a same-sex couple had it. Like, sorry, sorry, yes, a heterosexual couple had it. <laughs> um, my bad. Um, but yeah, we wanted yeah. them to get all those, those nitty-gritty, questions annoying out. questions out of the out of the blue. Yeah, sorry, out of the out of their heads now um, before we. Before we started, yeah. yeah. And my family didn't really have any questions. Amanda's family did, particularly concerning, like, legal issues, like can Amanda be a mother on a birth certificate? Um, You know, what legal um, kind of access does she have to the child? And, you know, reassured them that she would be the mother on the birth certificate and um, she would absolutely have equal rights to the child, um, even though it's my biological child we definitely obviously you know saw that child as ours and not just mine and we wanted to make everybody uh, you know aware and we we wanted it now particularly with amanda's family to say like no this is this child is your family not that they would have ever treated that child differently but Mm -hmm. we just wanted to make it really sure that you know Mm -hmm. you know this this is your grandchild too. This is your niece or nephew. Like it's not just my child. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, everyone was completely fine with that, completely understanding. And of course, Amanda, Amanda's family did have some concerns about the legal issues, but you know, that was all fine. Um, no concerns. I think it's just interest. I don't. I don't. Yeah, not so much concern. No one's ever ever researched this kind of situation. Yeah, you know? mm-hmm. no one's got any previous knowledge of it.
3: It,
2: you know, it, yeah. Yeah. So, um yeah, so May 2017 came around and that was our first IUI, and I was just so excited, just beyond excited. Um, and we hadn't told anybody at that point, but we, you know, kind of went for our first blood test and scan, you know, rocked up to the clinic early one morning, um, going for the scan straight away and the doctor just says it's a cold you know cold winter morning and the doctor just said to me uh just drop your pants and sit down um yeah and didn't leave the room and um, at that point yeah there's no gown nothing no cover covering just drop your pants and sit down um (laughs) and that was a rude awakening into how clinical fertility treatment how clinical it can be for some 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 doctors um, yeah yeah and so you know i just i just had to go with it um and the doctor did the scan and said oh your follicles aren't ready your lining's not ready you're not ready yet i said okay all right so went next door had the blood test expected them to tell me to come back a couple of days later for another blood test um got the call that afternoon uh, and this was cycle day eleven at this point. So I'd already told them that um, I didn't ovulate around day fourteen. I ovulated later, so I didn't expect to be ready. Uh, so I got the phone call that afternoon, and the doctor—sorry, uh, the nurse—was in a panic and said, "Oh, you've got to do your trigger shot. You've got to do your trigger shot. We're going to do it today." And I said, "Oh, but you know, the doctor said my lining and follicles were nowhere near ready." And she said, "No, no, 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 no." No, your blood test says that you're ready, we've got to go. And I just kind of thought, like, I don't think this is right, but, you know, this is my first time doing it. I have to trust them. Um, And, you know, I had been crazily tracking my cycles for a couple of years, really, and I'd been taking my temperatures as well. I didn't feel ready. My gut said I wasn't, but, you know, it was the first time, so I just had to trust them. So we triggered um and the iui was on cycle day 13 that was the first the first iui that we did um you know so we went in you know it, it you know it's a 5 minute procedure you go in there's a bunch of other women waiting in the waiting room to have the same thing you get called in you know they squirt the sperm in and you leave i mean you see you see the embryo no, oh, sorry, I oh, oh, this is IUI. Oh, I'm getting ahead of myself, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't
1: <breathe> yet, hello. <laughs> it's like, you see the sperm on the screen? That's so good. <laughs> no, no,
3: sorry. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> no, but, and then, yeah, so we went away for our very first two-week wait, and, um, wow, that was, that, you know, that's just crazy. You know, you get two days in and you're losing your mind. Mm-hmm. Um, we didn't expect to fall pregnant first time, um, but you know, of course you have that hope and you're, you're kind of in this positive little bubble of being your first go. So we got a couple of days in and we're absolutely losing our minds and called our moms to, talk, to tell them that we'd done our first IUI. Um, I just remember calling my mom and you know we kind of said oh i've got something to tell you like we started fertility treatment and she just kind of said okay um hang on let me just go upstairs and see if i can find it and i was like what (laughs) so she walked upstairs i hear a door shut and she just goes oh my god oh my god i'm so excited like you know i can't believe it started and she's like oh sorry i've got people downstairs so i couldn't say anything (laughs) Um, you know, and then we told your mom, and I think she lost her mind as well. Mm. Um, but yeah, you know, then pregnancy t- test came, and um, you know that was a negative. So that was that was pretty sad, but I, I don't think we were too discouraged at that stage because no, we not. didn't we didn't have high expectations, and we knew the chance was only kind of twenty percent. So. Also, um, we didn't just wait for the pregnancy test to come through. Of course, we tested at home beforehand multiple times. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think I probably probably started testing at about 10 days past or something Mm -hmm. like ridiculous, Um, you know, and it was just straight out negative. Um, So we jumped. Well, you know, we have what we call the WTF, the what the fuck phone calls with the doctor Mm -hmm. after every failed attempt and um, you know, no bedside banner. The doctor very clinical, very straightforward. Yeah. Just said, well, you know the roll of the dice. The roll of the dice. You didn't you didn't get it this time, so keep rolling the dice. Keep rolling the dice. You know, it's a numbers game.
3: Yeah.
2: Yeah. Okay. Okay. All right. Jumped back in. So we jumped straight back into our second IUI and that was just an absolute disaster. Mm. So we had the donor list, we picked our top five. So the, the first cycle, well, before we'd even started, they told us that when you pick your top five, it's very rare that you don't get your first pick. And we said, oh, okay, well, that's that's great. So we jumped into this second IUI, put our top five down, um, I triggered, um, and, it, and it was much the same, I think, i really felt like they triggered me too early again but you know I, I i trusted them so we triggered and got the call but none of our five donor choices were available and the, and this is the the day before we got the call around lunchtime. yeah so the iui was kind of this is about lunchtime. the iui was going to be at about like 8 a.m the next morning and they said None of the five donor choices are available. And I was just like, What? Like you just told like me, Can you pick me. something else? Yeah, pick something we'll just quickly pick, pick something one. else. So and we had a look and I was just like, nah. Well, we did pick <laughs> another couple of donors, but they were also unavailable. And when I dug a bit deeper we found out that they actually hadn't updated their list for a month. So um, there was just no donors available. They had like one choice and it was just absolutely not what we were looking for it was you know i i think even from because we obviously get medical history and things like that um th- th- there's a couple of like things that in, in learner's family that we wouldn't want to um genetically mm-hmm. double up on i it, you've got a choice right you, you've got a bit more choice unfortunately so it
3: uh, yeah, makes so it
2: harder so things like um alzheimer's or dementia mm-hmm. it, it's and cancer and, and cancer and things like that and i'm just like if we have a choice like i don't want to be selfish and selfish and be like yeah let's just choose it because it's there like you know well that's how we thought then at that point, yeah anyway. um and so we just kind of said to them look this is not like this is not on this is not what we're looking for and they said well you can cancel it and get most of your money back um and we just decided that that was the best option So we cancelled it and uh, I went on an absolute rampage and booked a second, uh, booked in to see a doctor at another clinic. Um, So we went to that clinic. This was August 2017 by this stage. And we went to another clinic, spoke to that doctor, did all the testing again. And this clinic had a waiting list of about six months. So we said, okay, fine, like we'll just have a break. We'll put ourselves on the list and, and just wait. So we did that <laughs> two months later. Yeah, every time we said we'll go on a break, <laughs> we'll have a break. It's not a break. It doesn't last. It's, long. it's maybe like half a day of maybe not thinking about it and then bam. Mm-hmm. And we're right back into it. Mm-hmm. Like um, especially Elena from a from a research point of view, like I'm I, an absolute nut. She's yeah. a bit of a nut, but <laughs> I think um, that <sighs> – what we found a lot of the time, especially in the first clinic, we weren't getting um, options. Or oh, maybe you can try this or maybe try that, especially when we, we move on to the the, um, the ICSI stage of things. Mm-hmm. Um, so Alana did a lot of research herself. Um, and, and I think that developed her kind of, um, her, really her taking control more mm-hmm. yeah. of mm-hmm. her own fertility journey. Um, but anyway... Third IUI. Let's let's just get into that. Well, yeah. So I got really restless, and one day I just emailed the first clinic and said, "Oh, can you just send me the donor list?" And um the donor, our top pick donor, was uh, back on the list again. So got home from work one day, and a man came home and I said, "Oh, hey, I um, just emailed the clinic today and got the list, and our top donors on it." She said, "Yeah." I said, uh, you know." Do think we should just, just go for it, just do a third IUI there? And she was like, oh I don't know, it's up to you, it's up to you. And I was like, yeah, no, we're just doing it. We're doing it. So we did. And it was much the same <laughs> again. Uh, I advocated for myself a little bit more this time. Um because again, I felt like they were, you know, triggering triggering me too early and i and i said like i i don't think this is right i don't think i'm ready and i was kind of met with well you're not the doctor you don't know and i just kind of went okay all right and by this point this particular doctor made me so anxious um i i would literally have panic attacks before I had to speak to this doctor or see this doctor because their bedside manner was just so awful and they were just so dominating, really, weren't they? they mm. um, and really, like really disgusting behavior, to be honest. And, um, you know, I was just met with, well, you're not the doctor, you don't know. And we kind of went, okay, just did the third IUI. Um, and again, Negative. So we had our WTF appointment and the doctor just kind of said, Well, you can't roll six on a dice every time.
1: That's not what you're asking for.
2: Yeah. And that was the advice that we got. And you know, I was kind of saying, Well, what do we do? What do we do next? Like what do we try? And that was kind of the only advice that I got. Um and so at this point because we were socially infertile, that this is why we started off with IUI, um, because we weren't medically infertile. So at this point, after three failed IUIs, I could be put down on paper as medically infertile and move to IVF and get the rebate. So that's what we decided to do. So um, in November, 2017, we started with IVF. Now, they really, the clinic really did not give us any information on IVF to be honest i thought i had done my research but i really hadn't i honestly thought that for me still not having any medical problems ivf was that was going to get us our baby like i was going to get pregnant it was just a guarantee to have a baby um So we went into it all excited. I did a long down regulation cycle and that was kind of over the Christmas holidays. So, you know, it was nice to be doing injections while we're off work and over Christmas. It was nice to be doing injections. (laughs) Well, yeah, I mean, that was the first. Oh no, we've done injections. We've done injections. This is. Yeah, by this time we're pretty prone with injections. Yeah. Much. And I'm not good with needles. And, yeah, I had to, you know, stab her in the stomach all the time. And <laughs> no. It was crazy. Yeah. Amanda um, is not good with not needles in medical <laughs> situations. Yeah, medical situations full stop. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, but I got pretty good at it. Yeah. Mm. And um, so... has a long... Yeah, cycle. so that was a long yeah. cycle. So our trigger shot was new year's day 2018 and my first egg collection was january 2019 um i had 12 eggs collected which i was pretty stoked 17. with yes you said nineteen. oh sorry 2018. 2018. yeah i had 12 eggs collected and this particular clinic did ICSI as standard and, um, We just kind of trusted that that was the right decision for us they kind of sold it as a guarantee a guarantee or guarantee fertilization Yeah. yeah yeah as kind of the better option um so the next day we got the fertilization report and um so six eggs fertilized with icsi and then i was devastated you know we went from 12 to six and no one explain to us kind of the rule of thumb with ibf that at kind of at every stage you generally go down by 50 percent mm-hmm. um i was an absolute mess um i did not expect that whatsoever um so i was absolutely paranoid at that point that we'd get to day three and there'd be nothing and this clinic also did day three transfers as standard so we got to day three, get to the clinic, and um, we had four embryos, which, uh, like I think we are pretty, pretty happy with at that point. Yeah. They told us that they're all good quality and that they were hatching blastocysts. Um, so, you know, we get to transfer, see the first embryo on the screen, and it was just, like an amazing experience i just cried seeing the embryo on the screen for the first time it's and every time it gets you um seeing that embryo on the screen it's just amazing um yeah so then we had another three in the freezer and we went away for our two week wait again and i started testing at about 10 D- 10 dpo um i had a pregnant booster so I knew that that was in the system that was going to give me false positives. So I, my theory was that I was just going to test that out, <laughs> and I was testing every day, and the line was getting darker. But I was—I did not believe it, and we—we we absolutely had no idea what we were doing. Like this is the moment we were waiting for, and we had absolutely no idea what was going on. Um, and I. I came home from work one day and I I held my pee in (laughs) so I could. She's getting really good at doing that. Like holding the pee in for as long as possible. It's one of her many talents now.
0: Just working on your pelvic floor. Yeah.
2: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And I um, I came home so I could do a test that afternoon after work and I did. And it was darker. And for some reason, I just absolutely lost my mind. Like I just. Hmm. I just completely broke down and I had no idea what was going on. Like, in hindsight, that thing was frigging positive. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> that was very positive test and I had no idea what was happening. So the next morning, tested again, still darker. Um, and at this stage, it's the 20th of January and the Friday. Um, so went in early for my blood test, waited around all day to get the call, very, very nervously, could not concentrate at work. And at this point i was working with my dad and my brother and for some reason there was no one else in the office that afternoon besides my dad and my brother and um i had an acupuncture appointment and i had to leave work a little bit earlier for it and it was four o'clock and the clinic still hadn't called so i kind of just sent them a quick email and said hey Um, I have an appointment. If I donate to the phone, please call Amanda and give her the results. And I went to the bathroom, and I came back and had this call. So I'm like texting Amanda saying like, chit-chit, I missed the call. And she's like, what's happening, what's happening? And I'm like trying to call the clinic back. And you know, I, I went outside, and the nurse just said to me, are you sitting down? I said, yeah. She said, well, congratulations, you're pregnant. And I, I couldn't believe it. It was
3: just amazing. I didn't think I'd get emotional.
2: Telling oh, the story. Here we go. <laughs> here we go. And, um, and you know, Amanda's looking at me saying, what, what's happening, what's happening, what's happening? And for some reason, I did this stupid thing where I was like, I have to wash my Tupperware and get in the car to go to the appointment, so I, I'll, I'll call her in a minute. <laughs> I, I, um, I quickly raced across my dad and my brother, washed my stuff, threw it in my bag, and just quickly said bye to them and hoped they didn't talk to me. And they didn't. And got outside and called Amanda, and I just, I couldn't even speak. I think I I, I knew from her voice. Well, I was crying, I was crying. And all I could say was, yes, yes, yes. (laughs) And, you know, I got in the car, just sobbing, absolutely sobbing, so excited and drove to acupuncture (laughs) and so the first person that i saw and told in person was my acupuncturist um who i love shout out to liz from the dow (laughs) (laughs) and you know and and that was you know just amazing i just couldn't believe it so obviously i could not relax through the acupuncture appointment and you know came home amanda left work early And I came home, (laughs) and she'd left the keys in the front door. (laughs) And I walked in, and you know she was just holding a bunch of flowers for me. And yeah, we couldn't believe it; like we were pregnant, and we thought that was it. You know, oh well, uh, yes, we're we're done. done. It was hard. Yes, hard. Yeah, that was really tough.
3: Yeah, that That was was so tough.
2: I can't believe we got through that. And I was. yeah, stupidly. We're like, Oh, yeah, we can relax now. Yeah. Um we, Yeah. Because everything should be fine and
3: yeah
2: just gonna, you know, live in this happiness for a little bit and be completely naive yeah. and ignorance is bliss and all that stuff, you know. Because you don't want to look start to look into anything negative or you just wanna enjoy it. So I think mm-hmm. um we didn't really wait, um no. to tell people. because <laughs> no. they knew we were doing I like a yeah. family we, we were doing it, so we that night, Friday night, we went around to my parents' house and just kind of showed up at their house. My brother and his wife, were, now wife, now wife, were living there at the time, and they were just kind of like, "Oh, what are you doing here?" And then we kind of said, "Oh, oh, we just you know went out for dinner, so we just thought we'd drop by." And they were like, "Oh, okay, okay." And she kind of said, "So, what are you doing on the twenty eighth of September this year?" they all just kind of looked at us blankly. Mum was standing across the other side of the room. This bit's gonna get me. (laughs) And they just kind of looked at us blankly.
3: And um, Amanda said, because that's when our baby's due. (laughs) And I'll never forget, like, Mum's face. And she squealed (laughs) and ran across, across the room to hug me and um yeah i'll never forget that but then my dad
2: turned around and said oh um, yeah. i think it's too early to be telling anybody yet because you never know what can happen we said yeah we know but we know, but you know let's just you, be happy. <laughs> just happy right now you guys are all doing this i think telling- it's like the dad thing always um yeah. protecting through truth i get tough love tough love, <laughs> tough love mm-hmm. just trying to protect um yeah and you know and then we were like yeah, yeah, yeah okay yeah, we know we we are we do know um but let's all just be happy and we went off and told my family and yeah. everybody went same thing everyone went not so and you know you know and you know picking up my niece saying oh you're gonna have another cousin you know um yeah all that stuff um so yeah we're just really happy for a bit and i think six weeks we went in had a scan um, saw, the heartbeat, saw the heartbeat um and i think at that stage you know we had we got all the track your pregnancy app, and your your baby should look like this and we'll be doing this and it's the size of some sunflower seed or this that and the other so um all that would go all that fun stuff that you get to do um, yeah of course we stupidly started buying stuff. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, like, not big things, but, you know, things that you see online, catch yeah. your eye. So, yeah, we, yeah. But we saw the heartbeat and, yeah, had a, had a little photo and had a little photo and just didn't even think that anything could go wrong at that point. That's kind of how naive we definitely were. I think we just want to be happy. Yeah, we were just happy, but we just had no idea of uh, of anything else. And then I, I didn't get any pregnancy symptoms. Um, you know, I'd had kind of nausea and sore boobs from the fertility treatment, but um, that kind of just all faded and I had absolutely nothing. had no morning sickness, nothing. And everyone kept telling me, oh, don't worry, you're one of the lucky ones. Just and Your mother it. never had any. No, my mum found the diary that she wrote um, when she was pregnant with me and she never kind of got morning sickness until eight weeks. So she said, look, you know, don't worry, maybe it'll just start around then, maybe it'll just start a bit later. So said, okay, all right. Uh, but we got to
3: kind of February, so
2: Fair Day, that's the beginning of Mardi Gras. And there's a big, uh, like, festival in a park in sydney and it was a 40 degree day i didn't feel great at all um i was feeling i was just feeling really off like just really off. And i kind of thought well you know it must just be a pregnancy thing maybe this is just the start of morning sickness um the man kind of said like if you're not feeling well you know it's really hot maybe we just don't go and I said, no, 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 I'd, like, I, don't, I don't want to be a cop-out you know, just because I'm pregnant. I, you know, I want to go. So, okay, so we went. Just kind of felt crappy all day and we ended up kind of leaving early-ish. We came home and um, had a, a really bad headache and I started getting, um, like, I started getting diarrhea and I thought that I had food poisoning. So the next day I didn't go to work and i i went to my gp and they weren't particularly concerned they said no look i I don't think it's food poisoning i think maybe you've just got you know just a bit of a a virus or something but that's not going to harm the baby so don't worry i said okay and they said look you're having a scan tomorrow so we'll just wait till then and you know i said okay so just you know go home drink plenty of fluids rest yep okay so that night, uh, again, just like really vivid memory, something that I'm never gonna forget. I walked into the bedroom and just looked at Amanda, and she was just like happily playing on her phone, and um, like all of a sudden, I just had this like this like shock kind of go through my body, and it just kind of said like, tomorrow is not gonna be good. It's not gonna be good news. And then I was like, no, don't be stupid. You're just being anxious. Don't be stupid. Like, just go to bed. It's fine. But it was just this, like, constant internal dialogue. And I didn't say anything to Amanda. I just, you know, just let her have her her moment. So I didn't sleep that night at all. We went to the scan the next morning. And (laughs) the poor ultrasound technician, it was her first day back from annual leave. She'd just she'd just been on a holiday. And um, you know, we're all happy first time parents. Well actually I wasn't happy, I was an absolute mess. But um sorry, externally yeah. happy, internally. Inter- yourself? Yeah. yeah. And um you know, she did uh an ultrasound in my stomach first, but had warned us that, you know, it is still early, so you might not see anything. We said, Okay, all right. But the scan came up and we knew that that baby was not the right size yeah it, it hadn't changed much from six yeah. weeks, six weeks yeah. um, in a size um and I, I, yeah. we couldn't see any flicker of the heart And she said oh look i'm having trouble seeing like go and empty your bladder come back and i'll do an internal scan i said okay and um, so i went to the bathroom and just freaked out because yeah. i knew, knew the we're about to get and, and I had to, like, pull myself together and the while Amanda's in the room. Yeah, so whilst Alana was in the bathroom, I just, I said to the technician, I was like, so there's no heartbeat. Like, I can't see a heartbeat. And she just said, I know. And it was just <laughs> the way that she said, I know. I was like, ah, oh, fuck. And I was like, okay, so Alana's going to walk back in the room. Get, just keep your shit together so she walked back in the room i smiled at her and she smiled back at me Her, she'd already had a freak out because she knew and i knew but we didn't want to let each other know that we knew
3: yes.
2: and i just you know you just okay let's just do this internal internal one and it seemed like forever and she's like i'm just taking some you know shots of of the uterus and just didn't, your ovaries. didn't look at your ovaries didn't pan too much like didn't hold it too much on Baby. The, the little the little sack that you could see, and you know just looking at the the screen, tears going down my face. Not looking at Alana because I don't want to see her me her to see me crying, and you know it felt like an hour, and then she just goes, "I'm so sorry, guys," and we will just, just like, turn the screen off. and turn the screen off, and we just, yeah, I I don't even know what happened in that moment. I think she just, I just looked at you and you were crying, and I. Was yes. just completely numb yeah um we were just, just there's, there's no heartbeat yeah yeah we we're just completely blindsided did not see that coming um and we had no idea what to do yeah. you know she said oh i'll leave the room while you get changed so, okay and i just kept saying to amanda i'm so sorry i'm so sorry and she came back in and said to us all right and she was great this this ultrasound tech was amazing with yeah. us um she came she, back in with like she came back in, in with paperwork and... and she said all right so what you've got to do is go out of here call your gp straight away and your gp is either going to send you to the early pregnancy loss clinic or to the emergency department um uh and and she'll talk about your options like, okay all right so and she said make sure you tell the gp what's happened so they can get you an acp so like, okay all right so like we walked out of there and it was just an absolute blur it's it's one of those situations where people's daily lives are going on and you've just had this like life-changing moment and i have no idea what just happened and you kind of somewhat like floating through the air Mm -hmm. i fell over cut my knee um (laughs) did not even feel that pain because i was just so numb so we called the gp they got us in they said come in in an hour and it's near my parents' house. So we, it, we just drove yeah. to my mum's place. I, I know. I said to you, What what do you want to do? And you were just like, I don't know. And I was like, Yeah, no fuck, we need to go to your mum's. We just yeah. we need you need to go to your mum right now. Yeah. Like I, I just remember driving and I, yeah. all I could say to Amanda was like, Why am I not crying? Why am I not crying? Like you know? And she was like, you're just in shock, don't worry about it. So mum opened the door and <laughs> I just lost it. Like I absolutely lost it. It, it you know it made it real to tell another person and um you know and at that point that's when my knee really started hurting and I realized <laughs> it was blood just running down my leg and um yeah just kind of sort that out and um you know Amanda was great she just took charge Yeah, I think Mm -hmm. I I, I left you with your mum for a bit. I went in another room and. Just, you know, called, made cancelled appointments. Cancelled appointments. uh, Told everybody else. Told everybody else because they knew that we're going to have the scan. So everybody knew what the situation was. I deleted the baby app things on her phone, uh, called any appointments that we had made, called the fertility clinic, just tried to get all those kind of things in order, Um, called my work, made sure her work knew that she was coming back um and kind of just tried to mentally prepare myself of you know what what do we need to get through this day. So um obviously we spent a bit of time at, at your parents' house and then we went on to the 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 GP um appointment which once again the best. Um she, well, she our GP's fabulous. Yeah, amazing. Um basically told us what our options were um you could go home and uh, miscarry naturally we give you some medication which will bring it on and go home and then miscarriage or you can go to the emergency department and get a dnc um alana decided DNC. (laughs) definitely not we don't want to go home and wait around for this um uh, so we headed off to the emergency department um and spent eight hours waiting there Uh, once again went through all the checks that. Yes, she was pregnant, um, no, there's no heartbeat, all that checks and balances. Um, they couldn't fit us in that day to get a DNC, so we had to go home. We had to go back the next day. So it was about 24 hours before she got, in to see, uh, got into the, to the DNC, mm. um, yeah. which uh, was a long way. It was a very long mm-hmm. way. It was very weird sitting in an emergency department. There's two people either side of us that have seven fingers and we're just sitting on the, of the- oh my God. It was just Yeah, I bizarre. You know. Um
3: I think it's yeah, I mean that was the best option sitting
2: in emergency just in a in a haze and then going back home that night and then having to get back up and, and go in. And um Yeah, it was just a very hazy two days. It oh, was very hazy yeah. months. And that was that, kind of the point that we realized that you know, as much as people try and be supportive, there's not a lot of support for women going through miscarriage and loss. Um and that was a rude awakening as well. Um there's just a couple of things that happened when before yeah. um Alana went in for a DNC, the one of the you nurses know, the, the ward clerk came out and said, Oh do you want to take a selfie? Do you want to do a selfie in your scrubs? Uh, like come on everyone does self every- before they go yeah. for surgery. and he like i understand he was happy and bubbly because people are going in for day surgery but i don't think he checked the notes yeah. to see what alana was there for and i was just like no no thank no. you no we don't want to do it and yeah. he was like no come on and i was like no this is a situation that needs a photo and i was just okay. like back okay. off i was oh, like there's so just simple, little things like that we opted for uh genetic testing <laughs> um because we wanted to know um why? We wanted to know why. Um, they assured Alana that she'd be able to speak to the doctor performing the DNC and there was going to be genetic testing. Um, and the um, anaesthetist put her under straight away before she got the opportunity to. Uh, a few things like that, like it just. Um, and then, yeah. you know, we, they, they didn't send it for genetic yeah. testing. But, well, no, they did send it for genetic testing. Oh, sorry, but not but... the ones that they yeah. the hospital stuffed up and only did pathology tests and the pathology tests came back and said yeah that yeah, was pregnancy." That, that was tissue. pregnancy we're like we're yeah like, shit, we knew that um <laughs> so that that happened and there was you know i know there's some great organizations out there that provide support and um you know uh, charity organizations that try and get their information to women in the hospitals unfortunately that did not reach me yeah. um, so we weren't given any information on what to expect post miscarriage um i had to do the research myself and i I did find these organizations myself but in hindsight like i'm you know a huge advocate for these organizations because women need this information Mm -hmm. in the hospitals um because you have no idea what to expect you know you you know the things that happen, you know, are actually the same kind of things that happen, like, postpartum after to giving birth. Like, you know, I, I bled for eight days. Um, I was in pain, um, you know, obviously it's a milder extent to after giving birth. But, you know, it's all kind of similar. And, like, the hormones and the emotions are just insane, like, absolutely insane. And, the, and I just spiraled out of control into, like, depression and, and anxiety. Um, Because I was just not expecting this. Um, I think it's also such a visible, visible, like, you're going through the trauma, like, you've just lost a baby and you see, every time you go to the bathroom, there's Mm -hmm. blood there. Like, Mm -hmm. you're in pain. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's just, it's so visual, Alana's reminder, like, Mm -hmm. um, that very much triggered, like, a PTSD Mm -hmm. from that. and yeah. I, you know, at the same time, um, our sister-in-law was pregnant. She was six weeks in front of me, and we. All, it was also a rude awakening to people just not understanding grief in general. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was that was really tough. I and think people it's understanding of, through experience, Well, they haven't experienced. Well, no, they it haven't before. experienced it, but people. The grief just makes people uncomfortable okay. and um, they just don't want to talk about it they just prefer not to know about it we found out that that was really tough because i just wanted to talk about it you know i just i just wanted people to recognize how much pain i was in and um that was really tough and people took it personally so people took it really personally when i didn't want to go places um you know i didn't want to be around amanda's family because our sister-in-law was pregnant and it was nothing against her I just did not want to see her growing belly mm-hmm. um, I, I just couldn't like it, it just oh, it, was, it was just such a trigger it was yeah it, and it was it, it was really tough and we just found that you know and even friends um, you know yeah, we, we, we had friends having, having babies at the same time as well it wasn't just it, it literally felt like you were surrounded by people who having were babies. Yeah. having babies or pregnant mm-hmm.
0: much for joining us today we hope you enjoyed this episode if you like listening to the podcast and would like to share your story we will pop the link in the show notes be sure to hit subscribe so when we release new episodes it lands straight into your listen now
1: if you could also leave us a review for the show, that would be so appreciated. No words are needed, just stars. If you're on the Apple app, scroll down to the bottom of the podcast page and tap to rate. This makes a massive difference to our show's visibility and helps us to get our show out and about to others experiencing fertility treatment.
0: IVF Tales is an independent production made by Amy and I. Music is by Volette Galushenko. You can listen to us wherever you get your podcasts.